0: This morning, as we continue our series about David, the king before the king, uh, I I challenge you to look at the EP, the Environmental Protection, to see if you notice something a little different today. Because there's something that changed a little bit, and it's going to keep changing as we go to Easter. Because while David was the great king of the Old Testament, he pointed to an even greater king that was to come and was to die for us and, and was to be resurrected and as we continue to look towards that, and we continue to look towards that man, we look at David, and how David resembled Christ, and resembled what Christ did. And our feature ministry was the care ministry today, and, and it fits perfectly with what we are talking about. We're talking about personal relationships. And we, as humans, were designed for personal relationships. We were designed for relationship. And today, we're going to look at the relationship of David and Jonathan, and let that be an example for us as we examine our own personal relationships. So our scripture this morning is from 1 Samuel 18, and it says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and and Saul's officers as well. These are God's words for us this morning. Let us bow together in prayer. God, this morning we come to this place. This place that is surrounded with so many people in this room. And if we feel the bodies, we feel the people that are next to us and we feel the children of God. The beautiful children of God who were created in your image. Everyone around us is your child. We are your child. And as we hear your words in the scriptures, and we hear your words through Mike this morning, we ask that we would take a second and examine the people around us. Do we extend your love to them? Do we love them as you love them as your children? And let us examine all of the personal relationships in our life, because you created us for relationship. You created us to love each other. And God, you are our foundation as we we just all proclaimed in this room through song and through praise. And we proclaim that you would lead us in your love to those around around us. So God, let that be true. Let your Holy Spirit come and captivate us so that we would lead those in your love around us to you god we are here and we are ready to hear your word through we know you have prepared great words through pastor mike and let them be your words and only yours in your name we pray amen
1: good morning Hey, if we haven't met, I'm Mike Morgan, and I'm glad that you're here, and I get the opportunity to share the gospel with you this morning. I do want to say this as we get going, though. I came to an understanding this winter that old man Winter is an atheist. <laughs> he is. He hates church on Sunday mornings. You notice that every Saturday night it snowed this winter, and uh, frankly, I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's gone, because we come towards the spring of Easter, which leads me Um, to uh, this. I want to share with you, um, you know, those of you that are new here with Marian Methodist, we're new here too. Uh, This is our first year, so we've taken this opportunity this year uh, as we walk through this season of Lent to do a couple new things. New wine for new wine skins. Uh, So when you look at Holy Week, and I hope you do, uh, which starts two weeks from today uh, on Palm Sunday, um, we will have our Palm Sunday services at 815 and 1015. Then um, we have what's called Lenten Moments in the morning at 7 a.m., they'll be at our downtown location, 1298 7th Avenue, in the third floor at Carnegie Center in what we're calling the Chapel at Carnegie. Uh, we have moved the chapel furniture from our historic location up into that third floor and made a pretty cool little uh, worshiping sanctuary up there, so we hope we'll c- you'll come to that. And then as the week goes on, those of you that are familiar with the liturgical year, which is kind of how Christians mark the year, um, during Holy Week, uh, there's a couple of special days. One is called Monday Thursday or Holy Thursday. And on Holy Thursday, we also will have two services. We'll have the 7 a.m. service downtown, (coughs) and we'll serve communion at that, which is new for us. And we'll have a 1 p.m. service here, which we'll serve communion at as well. But we won't have an evening service that day because on Good Friday, we're going to try something pretty big in here really different and we hope that you'll bring your friends and and relatives it will be different even the room's going to look different when you come in Uh, and that's a um, I was going to say it's a 7 p.m. service because I'm pretty convicted that that's when it is but if I'm wrong come at whatever time it says it's at okay (laughs) and then on Easter Sunday um, you know we have 700 and some seats here to fill twice um, so bring your friends bring everybody you know Uh, we sometimes those of us that come to worship all the time uh, call uh, people that come on, on Easter Sunday and Christmas priesters, you know, because that's when they come. But let me tell you, that's better than them never hearing the gospel. And I th- encourage you to bring your friends because it's a great opportunity on Christmas Eve and on, on Easter for us to share the everlasting gospel with, with friends and neighbors and maybe uh, draw them into a relationship with God that we love and serve. So bring your friends. Uh, bring anybody you know. You did notice uh, the lovely and talented Devin Nestor leading our worship service. She's going to do the offertory later. I want to thank her for standing in for Simon, who's away uh, this week on some beautiful business, and I get to tell you about that later, but we don't get to put that out there quite yet, uh, so we're very excited about that. But he's okay, Laura's okay, but um, some really cool stuff uh, happening today. Um, going to take just a minute, look right at the camera, and if you're watching us on Facebook, and you can't hear us quite right, reply. Put a comment on there because we're working on our sound on Facebook, so yay. Um, let us know. Uh, see, they get to hear this two seconds after I said it, so they don't get to hear that till now, so we'll wait. <laughs> just kidding. The work for today. We are made for relationships. That's just who we are as human beings. Second page of the Bible God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Here's the context in which God says that. He's made everything, light, darkness, earth, animals, and said, it is good. It is good. The creation is nearly perfected. There's paradise. There's no death yet. There's no sickness yet. There's no conflict Yet there's plenty of everything, plenty of food to eat, plenty of good weather. No winter has even been invented yet. There's plenty of everything. And God says, it is good. And yet the creator himself says creation is not quite complete. Something huge is missing. Something huge is missing. See, those built with in God's image are built with a huge chasm in their life, not of our own creating. We, we are built with a huge chasm in our life that can only be filled by relationships. It makes sense because the God who creates all things is relationship. The God who creates and, and sustains us is triune, three persons in one entity, a communal God. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit work together on all things. So since God himself is relational, it makes sense that the creations made in his image, human beings. We're the only ones made in his image. You get that from the Genesis story, right? Human beings. It's not surprising them that human beings are relational and cannot live without connections. We have a huge chasm in our life if we don't have relationships With other people. This is the nature of God, and therefore it's the nature of God's people. So we understand in that context this scripture that Kels read just a few moments ago. In 1 Samuel 18, it says that Jonathan became one spirit with David. Jonathan knew that David could not make it alone, that he needed someone in relationship with him to help him attain the goals that he needed to do, to to, to get to, to be the person that God wanted him to do. So Jonathan is strategically placed, strategically placed in David's life as all the trials that were coming to David began to come to him. Now here's the thing. You and I come across hundreds, maybe even thousands of people in the course of our lives. Some of which we get to know a little bit some i 'm not talking about our Facebook friends. Some of you have friends you 've never met before. I have several. I know that. but some of us come across hundreds of thousands of people in our lives, and really, at the end of our days, we have two or seven or ten really close relationships. you know the people that will come and really cry at your funeral. We only have a few of those, and we need them and frankly. Our lives are better because of them, and they are part of the fuel and the function of our lives. We need those genuine relationships that get developed over a period of time in our lives because we're made for relationships, and we crave them, and we feed off them, and we absolutely need them. Now, relationships need to be founded on more than our need for relationship. <clears throat> relationships can't, can't just be about the relationship itself relationships don't always make sense from the outside we, we look at things that just don't make sense sometimes I, I want to tell you a little story and um, so m- my daughters and, and spouse are over here which makes it's a really good day for me really good day because neither of the girls live here but when Sarah my oldest was just a little girl we lived in western Colorado in a place I don't need to say its name because you've never heard of it because you don't ever go there unless you mean to be, to be there but when we lived in this little town of Cedar Edge, Teresa was probably um, 23, or something like that. And Mitty McAdams, and Teresa is diminutive. Mitty McAdams was taller and bigger than me. Mitty McAdams was a retired elementary school principal, and she was known because of her sternness, and people were afraid of her. But when Sarah was born... Teresa and Mitty became huge friends. Here's this Mutt and Jeff relationship. I have to be accountable for that later, don't I? Um, <laughs> I say that in Jesus' name, honey. All right. but, but here's these two people that shouldn't go together, this young bride with a little baby and this older woman that's never had children and is known for her sternness, and yet almost every day they had lunch together. Nobody in town could understand it. But what they had in common was this love of my little girl and this fierceness in protecting our church. So, Teresa and Sarah and Mitty were in this depth of relationship that made no sense to the city in which we lived. small well, city, there's <laughs> about this many people. <laughs> It made no sense to people on the outside. None at all. How would a young woman find themselves daily at an old woman's home? How does Jonathan find himself best friends with David? Jonathan's probably 15 years older than David, at least. There's this huge age disparity. Jonathan was the prince he's the heir to the throne he's royalty he has everything and david is a threat to him david is a shepherd not an aristocrat david there is nothing more blue collar than a shepherd okay you know shepherds hang out with sheep and sheep don't smell like irish spring right (laughs) So here's David and Jonathan forming this <clears throat> depth of relationship. And so you have to say, why? From an earthly standpoint, it makes no sense. The heir apparent prince hanging out with this little shepherd boy or this little shepherd man. Well, relationships need some substance, substance something bigger than just a relationship alone. And this is what we find in David and Jonathan. See, friendship is not enough. For Jonathan to relinquish everything he has coming to him doesn't have enough friendships not enough just for him to give up the throne to give up the his kingdom and choose David over all of that their relationship was based on their faith in God and their passion for doing what God was up to you you see we don't want we don't make friends just because we want friends. We form relationships because we have a common bond, and, and we want to base that common bond on something deeper. Those of you that served in the armed forces know this. You have a common bond with every veteran and every um, current service person that has and will live because you had to form this allegiance to a set of values and pursue it. There is a passion that makes you brothers or sisters that is unbreakable. To a different matter, Christians, that's you and me, we have the common cause of Christ. And even though we're very distinctly different, we do have that one thing that, that, that draws us together. And it's he that hung on the cross and left for us an empty tomb that we can't find because he wasn't there on Easter morning. You see, each relationship that we find ourselves in needs a basis, a passion that stokes our hearts not just the desire to have a friend. Jonathan's heart was knit to David's. It was it was put together. It was made the same as his. It was made the one of his because David embodied what was most precious to him. It was David who stood up before that giant in the name of God and started twirling his slingshot. It was David who was absolutely de- determined to silence all the blasphemies in Israel so that the name of God might be a appropriately told to the people and the truth and the power of God might be known to all of Israel this relationship that they had stoked a deep passion within Jonathan and David and our relationships must do the same we we have to understand the truth about the church and i want to tell you you're not going to say amen to this the church is made up of natural enemies think about it we're not bound together by education There are a few of us here that have doctorate-level education. There are a few of us that if we got through high school, it was a fight every single day. We're natural enemies. There are a few of us that make hundreds of thousands of dollars here, and there's a few of us that are fighting hard to raise the minimum wage. There are a few of us here that have a lot more melanin in the skin than the rest of us. There are a few of us here that are libertarians and Green Party and Republican and Democrat. We're not bound together by occupation. We're not bound together by education. We're not bound together by income. We're not bound together by politics. We don't even all have the same accent. We are natural enemies. And here's what makes sense about the church. There hasn't been... A month gone by in my life as an adult where I have not said to someone, and I say it at camp and youth group and stuff like that all the time, simply you must take Jesus into your heart. And that is step two, you understand. Jesus already did step one. The reason we can receive Christ into our heart is that he first took all of you all into his You see, Jesus took you into his heart before you ever have a chance to take him into your heart. You are already part of that. Even though we might be natural enemies, we are naturally together, too, because Christ invites us into his heart. This band of natural enemies are bound in relationship through salvation, which is why we talk about this all the time. Individually, if you receive Christ into your life, you have the opportunity to have this forever life that begins when you receive Christ and goes until it never ends. And we have this corporate life of, in, of eternity, and which is why I think the church is so cool because, you know, if we're going to be with each other for a billion years, we ought to get to know each other a little bit, right? Right? I mean, if we're going to live with each other forever, we we got to get to know each other uh, a little bit because we have this earthly life that we're supposed to do something about. I mean, if you receive your salvation, you're in your eternal life, and we're supposed to do something about the world community, and we also know that we have this outstanding future that never ends. And when I look at this, I, 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 I see some of the deepest relationships in our church. And, and I want to just take a minute. You know, Sunday night last, we had a meeting down the hall where, where uh, we invited the entire congregation, came, and, and quite a few came. And the meeting had to do with the fact that we needed to process what had happened at the General Conference of the United Methodist Church at which um, we made discussion and tried to find a way forward in regards to all things regarding holy sexuality. And here's what we found out. Last Sunday night. Last Sunday night there were a whole bunch of people there that saw Scripture differently, maybe from each other, in regards to holy sexuality. There were people that felt safe enough in that space, which is the church, to share that without feeling that they were gonna get bombs lobbed back in them, without feeling like they were going to be put down. Because what we found out, and this overarches all of it for me, because I've been, you know, this deep. This has been the conversation of our time. I've been this deep in it for my entire ministry because it's one of the big issues of our day. But what I found when I sat down there in the room and listened to people speak is what people want is this vital, loving, caring community that is Marion. Methodist. And within the context of Marian Methodist, we found out over and over again, I can disagree at some level with you while holding the core principles of the teachings of Jesus Christ in front of us. I can I can disagree with you, but we can rise above all that. We can rise above the malou that is constructed by social media and by the culture in which we live. We can say to the fact, and we just have to look at straight in the fact that when we get all caught up in that, that Satan. Satan is in control of the church, and we have lost our way. So, as we talked it over last week, what we decided is there are issues all the time coming to the church. But if we become an issue church, then the one issue we're going to have is Jesus Christ our Lord making new disciples of him and making, transforming the world. Can I get an amen? That's, that's what this church is going to be about. That's what we're going to preach about. That's where we're going. And our passion was stoked as we sat sat in that that meeting towards our mission of making new disciples, new disciples, new disciples, and transforming the world. Here's why. This is what Jesus says. John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. I truly believe on the backside of life, we're going to meet our maker face-to-face and he's going to say, Listen, I know you went off to the Bible studies. I know you listened to a lot of sermons. And I hope you understand that I was just trying to tell you people to love each other a little bit more. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another, Jesus said. By this, remember, we're a social religion. By this, all people, not just the ones that show up at 5050 REC Drive. By this, all people will know that you are my friends if you love one another. It's all about Jesus' love, and it's all about us loving each other in the way he would have it. That's how relationships expand. That's how the churches is grown. We include others in the love and the life and the community of Christ. So if anybody says to you anywhere, do you think I would be welcome? You better say, yes, because we'll include anybody. And you better look at yourself and say, if they'll include me, they'll take anyone. I mean, I can say that about myself anyway. This is about loving people in Jesus Christ. Because uh, relationships always involve sacrifice. Relationships always involve sacrifice. Jonathan's commitment to David leads to his relinquishing what was rightfully his. He was the heir apparent to the throne. That is a costly friendship. That that, that selfless, sacrificial, loyal love that would last till Jonathan's death because it's easy to be friends when it doesn't cost anything. But it's going to cost him the crown in his kingdom. It was his. Some relationships that we have are a means to an end. I I remember being invited when I lived in Colorado Springs to a social club, you know, a club that meets on Tuesday lunch and they're all cool and all that kind of stuff and I enjoyed it a lot. But I was told as I went, You should come to this. It will help you make connections in the community. So it wasn't about that being an end. It was about being there as a means to various ends that might be important in my life. What you see in David and Jonathan is that the relationship was not a means to an end. It was an end in and of itself. And the best relationships that you have in your life are ends in themselves, not based on circumstances, not based on benefits, but based on commitment to each other. And then your needs, as you take it to relationship, become secondary. I'm going to give you an example of the king, king. I know we don't sing very many hymns at 1015. Sometimes we do. But there's a hymn called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I'm going to show you the second stanza. I learned in the church that um, hymns don't have verses. They have stanzas. Did you know that? It took me 15 years, but I got it. <laughs> second verse starts like this. What a friend we have in Jesus. Have we trials? That's the outside stuff that comes to you. A trial. That's like difficulty at work, kid goes sideways, cancer, some sort of mental tension in your life. Those are things that come to you. Uh, You know, boss being a problem, all those kind of things, not having enough money to pay your bills. Those are trials that come to the outside, from the outside. And Jesus says, Have we trials? And we all say, Well, yeah. And do we have temptations? That's the stuff that rises up from in us. Do we have temptations? Oh, yeah. Do some of us want to drink too much, smoke too much weed, click on the wrong places in, in the Internet? Do some of us want to speak poorly to others? Do some of us want to say bad things to our wives or the people we are in relationships the most? Do we have other kind of temptations? As many as there are people here, we say, yeah. Have we trials and temptations? Do we have outside problems? Do we have inside problems? Is there trouble anywhere? I've I've added the capsules. That's encompassing. So if you don't have a trial, if you don't have temptation, do you have trouble anywhere, Jesus says, I have it. I I love what one of our music directors once said about this stained glass window that's standing out here with Jesus. He's pointing over the top of us saying, don't worry, I got this. I've got this. Take a look at it. Have we trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. That's all encompassing too. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? And all the churches would be saying, no, we cannot find a friend so faithful. Who our sor- sorrows share, Jesus knows our every weakness. He's the only one, by the way, because you've shielded some even from your spouse. Jesus, that's why he fortifies us where we're weak. That's what good friends do, is they come to the spot you're weak and hold up. They, they put their hand in the dike, such as it was of your leak. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord. In prayer. You see, this relationship understands our past. These are the best friends to kind of have. Somebody that understands your past, believes in your future, and accepts you the way you are right now. Doesn't mean you get to stay that way, but those are the best relationships. This is what Christ does. He understands our, our past. And if it's a mess, if our past is a mess, Jesus says, No problem. I got it. I forgive you. Leave it behind you. He understands the great potential you have that's out there in front of us. Because remember, our life mission is always in front of us. It's never behind us. And he accepts where you're at and how you're right at right now. That is a friend. That's sacrifice. Somebody who takes us just the way we are. Because while we're aspiring, we're not all that great. Personal relationships play a role in God's purpose for our lives. Relationships make the evil, the difficult in our lives containable. What I call this is the it, you know? Relationships make the it survivable. Most of us have an it in our life. We We might name it mental dissension. We might name it, you know, a problem with our family. We might name it, you know, cancer. But we've got an it. And that it is, has the possibility of being overwhelming to us. But relationships make it bearable, make it survivable. Whatever that it is that's got you, relationships can make it containable. I, I remember I had two friends way older than me, 50 years older than me, both of them. One named Bob, one named Elmer. Elmer was a retired Methodist preacher, so he had a soft spot in my heart for him. Bob not. But Bob walked two-thirds of a mile every day for seven months once Elmer was diagnosed with cancer. And what Bob did was walk from his house two-thirds of a mile down to Elmer, let himself in the house while he was feeding Elmer's cats, made enough noise that Elmer would wake up. Then he would go in and help his friend put his trousers on, put his sweatshirt on, get him out to the front room, and then he made breakfast for him every day. And Bob said, yeah, I made breakfast for him every day, but it wasn't like I cooked what the Methodist men is. I poured the cereal in the bowl and the milk and handed it to him. But on what we would call his deathbed, when I was standing in a hospital with Elmer, he looked right into my face and he says, you know, Bob contained this for me. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I had cancer, and everybody knew I was dying of cancer. But every day, Bob coming down, making sure I got out of bed, made this manageable. That's a friend. Fifteen minutes a day, Bob gave Delmer. Fifteen minutes. And it made it survivable. I I mean, I know he died, but it made it survivable from a spiritual and emotional standpoint. More times than a few, I've talked to some of you about... This, that, or the other kind of mudstorm that came into your life, hard things. And you said, I could not have made it without, sometimes you name a person, often you name the Lord. And oftentimes you'll say, I don't know how anyone else could make it without the Lord and the friends that I have. Because friends and Christ make the it (laughs) that's... Damage in our life, containable. God uses our relationships with other believers to accomplish his purposes. He he does this all the time. There were these three guys named Hank, Ed, and uh, Ken. Not a joke, sounds like that, right? Hank, Ed, and Ken worked at the same college 20 miles away from the town they lived in And so starting in their mid-30s when they all got the same jobs, one was a dean of academics, one was a bookstore manager, one was a professor, they rode to college every day. One of them started as a churchgoer. One of them. One of them. And every day for 30 years they drove back and forth, those five days a week that they went to college together together. Every day during the course of the conversation, Hank would make sure that he said something about the church and how he was learning at the church and how God was pulling him forward. And i got to tell you, when I left the, being the pastor of their community, those were three w- of what I would call the pillars of that church community. Because every one of them, because the relationship they had with, with Hank, came to come to worship Jesus Christ and to know him and had a deep fellowship with him and their hearts were knit together so much so much imagine this those three guys once said to me at a church council meeting i hope we all die the same day because i couldn't bear going to their funerals that's friends and god uses david and jonathan's relationship to accomplish his purposes he sets jonathan out in front and lets David be pulled along. Their connection, just like my three friends I mentioned, grows maturity and confidence and purpose and mission and witness. And we can have relationship. We can have confidence in our relationship with God. See, the beautiful thing about God, there are many. There are millions. But in context to where we're at today, his love for us is not affected by our behaviors. His love for us is not affected by the words we say positive or negative or just useless nothing nothing affects the way god feels about us he made us he cherishes us he wants us with him forever he has claimed his forever relationship with us we simply need to claim it back if you don't believe me look what paul says he says in romans 8 for i'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation We'll be able to separate you. That's pretty all-encompassing. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We all want relationships. And I want to tell you that the first relationship, the first heart to knit yourself to is God. And it can be enough. And we're here, too. We're here to knit our hearts together in the relationships that we find in the church. The church has always been the people. We're here because we need each other personally. We need people to help us along, to grow up, and to, 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 to live into maturity. And we're here too to accomplish the purposes of God. We're here to work together because we've been blessed with this eternal life. So we collect ourselves, and we push ourselves towards mission. We push ourselves towards reaching to people that aren't here. We push ourselves to doing the things that individually we could not accomplish, nor should we accomplish on our own, and we seek to bring others into relationship with God there is that huge chasm in every one of our lives that can only be filled with relationship and God says I'll build a bridge from you to me and we'll name it the Christ and you can come from where you're at to me and that gap will be filled and make sure make sure you bring your friends with you Let us pray. God, we are made for a relationship. We're made for relationships that have substantial connections in them, substantial connections with other people, substantial connections with you. Let our relationships play a role in your purpose for our lives. Give us confidence in our connections, God. Let us know that that, that we are one with you always. Lord Jesus, this is our prayer. This is our goal in you, we pray. Amen.